What up, what up, everybody, on a Wednesday, A2HH Live. We got position in the building. What's going what on, up? everybody, man? Man, marinating. How y'all feeling over there? Oh, man, we good, man. What's going on with you over there, Coop? Yeah, oh, man, cool. I'm chilling. How y'all doing? Doing, doing, oh, good great. Thing. How y'all New Year's? Happy New Year to everybody, too. Happy New Year. Yeah. We, good. we could jump good. right into it, man. Um, I know you were just telling us a uh, position, you know, how you hooked up with Bone Thugs and Harmony. Bone Thugs yeah. and Harmony's DJ. And uh, many of you all might recognize him from the Versus stage as well. And, uh, yeah, just tell the people briefly, you know, just how you hooked up with Bone Thugs and Harmony. Yeah, so um, I, met, I met Crazy Bone a uh, long time ago. Uh, through a female named Tanya Duche, and um, she was running Rap Page magazines, and um, I was trying to get my, my music and all that shit featured on there, and we we linked up, and then you know when we heard the when she heard the music, you know she just looked and was like you know really impressed, and that she kept telling me I know Crazy Bone, and you know we good friends, whatever, and I was like all right, cool. And the next day, you know, she brought him to the studio, him and Keep G. And, uh, you know, we said, what's up? Shit like that. And, you know, it got it got done real quick. And was like, you know, where, where the music at? So I just started pressing play. By the time I um, got to track number two, that's when we ended up doing a song called Welcome to the Alley. We worked on it the same day we met. <clears throat> we finished it. We actually finished the song the next day. And uh, we actually lost contact. Mm. Cause um, I was arguing with with my ex chick at the time and shit. <laughs> um, nigga got caught up fucking with different bras, whatever. <laughs> and you know, but it was like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a um, take all this equipment and you know I helped you buy it and all that. So wow. like whatever. Got mad, threw my motherfucking phone in the wall, cracked my shit, and lost contact <laughs> with him for like almost a year. And um, you know. Keep crazy bones looking for a nigga shit. Eventually, fast forward, we end up linking up and here we are. Damn, that was meant to happen. Facts. <laughs> that was meant yeah. to happen. Uh, go ahead, Coop. No, I mean, that's just like a great story. I was thinking what you were thinking. That's one of those things that's meant to be. And I, I was thinking every brother probably has like a crazy chick story that's kind of comparable to the one position just gave to. Oh, man. <laughs> man. I, at that time, I was really living that <clears throat> that situation. Um, I was fucking with different bra, and then I I thought I had another bra pregnant, which was like the third or the fourth chick I was fucking with, and you know, finally got caught up. You know, dumbass came came to the house with a monkey bite on my neck, and that turned to a big ass <laughs> art. <laughs> no, that shit. This is great stuff. No, 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 no. That's great. I love the backstory uh, uh, behind it. So I want to know, like, what's some of your more memorable times uh, with Bone? Like, you know, are there any shows or any, like, moments that really stand out to you where you're like, oh, no, like, I'm a part of, like, history, like, part of hip-hop history by being with this group at this time with this moment? Um, I, It happens all the time, honestly. Oh, you know? Like it's not, it's not like a more memorable moment. I feel like for me, it keeps getting bigger and bigger until you know eventually I can do what I do as position. Um, I've been blessed, man. I I can't I can't complain. We all go through like ups and downs. Like 
you know, normal human beings do. But for the most part, I've been blessed to be a part of a lot of big situations from, you know, the hip hop, uh, hip hop fest to, um, you know, a whole lot of these, the once upon a time in LA, once upon a time in uh, Long Beach. And we can keep going, to, you know, to being able to DJ and be a part of when they did uh, the hologram for Easy e okay. and, you know, and a step to step down and, and watch uh, DJ Yellow do his thing while they did the whole for the love of money and all that other shit. You know what I'm saying? Like just being, being able to be a part of all of that, man. And, um, you know, all of up to the verses, you know what I'm saying? And all of it's all of his good memories and, you know, being able to travel. I think, I think, you know, fucking with bone i think i didn't uh covered like 17 different countries oh wow so you know and not just having to only be a dj to be out there performing as well whether you know what i'm saying it's a couple couple uh hundred for myself or you know me being able to perform in front of like eight nine thousand motherfuckers by myself you know just opening up for them and shit so it's all it's and you know it's still still happening so so how did you hear about the? Uh, I guess, I guess, what's the backstory with the verses? Because I know originally, right, uh, Crazy Bone and DJ Paul were gonna do it, and um, I know we were even covering that, like right when that happened, and it got called off last minute, and then it revamped like a year later. Like, what's the whole backstory with the uh, three six and Bone versus? I guess for people that don't know, and like, when did you find out like it was official? Um. But this time, <clears throat> we found out it was official probably like a couple weeks before mm. this shit happened. You feel me? But yeah, we we uh, when the pandemic shit started, um, there was a conversation. Y'all the first people that's going to hear about this, so I'm going to just let it out. <laughs> there was a conversation that me and the homie Kane had over the phone. And I remember it like it was motherfucking yesterday because my brother had just got stabbed by his bitch on July 4th. So July 5th, I'm outside. You know, they won't let nobody outside of the um, outside of the inside the hospital. So I'm outside. We just talking or whatever. I'm just chilling. And I'm on the phone with him. And we're talking about the whole verses and all that. And me and Kane get to talking. And I don't remember which one of us it was. And, and motherfuckers was like, you know what? We need to... Um, do a, a versus with Bone at three six because um, the life of peril is is who with three six they do business as far as merch and shit like that and you know Crazy Bone is doing an album with DJ Paul and um, so you know we're like man that should be dope as fuck and um, you know. We, you know, he was like, man, you need to call this person, you need to call that person. We just started doing our little calls. And, you know, whatever happened, it didn't happen for a reason. But then you get in uh, to the hands of somebody as powerful as Steve Lobel to make the connection happen. And, you know, fast forward to 2021 or December, whatever it was, December 2nd or some shit. Um, yeah, yeah, it, it turned out wonderful. It turned out crazy. Oh, definitely. So, she fell for really making it happen. 
So you said y'all only really got word two weeks before. So like how much practice time did you guys get in and was busy active in the practice sessions if there were like like some that were able to like get in? Because two weeks isn't a lot of time to like, you know, get something of that magnitude together. I mean, it is, but it isn't if you ask me. Um, Busy was busy was definitely active in, in the rehearsal. Um, we had practice. Like a week, you know what I'm saying, to rehearse, like, you know what I'm saying? So, like a few days, like a few days and shit, but everything turned out, you know, pretty dope. Just, you know, seeing everybody together and shit. No, I was only asking because busy is all often like separated from the group, like like by the media and in the media's eyes. And so even with like the circumstances that happened with it, it's something that kind of separated himself from the group again. So I just wanted to know what the cohesion was like, you know, prior to like like the show and the build up to obviously. Yeah, like I said, man, I mean, whatever they do together is separate. You know what I'm saying? That's that's on them. But when it came to this yeah. and it came uh, being a part of it, busy was busy was part. So, you know what I'm saying. Whether it's him being there, or him calling calling me, like what's the play, or this is what I want to do. Um, you know, him calling, you know, other members of the group. You know what I'm saying. Us having um, calls on on Zoom and shit like that. Like, you know, everybody was pretty active with each other. Good. And, you know what I'm saying? Putting their input on what they want to do and shit like that. One of the questions I had as a fan and watching it, because uh, we covered it live, like the night it happened, right? The verses. Yeah. And um, I know when uh, when 3-6 came out there, uh, what did they open up with? They ran opened up with Who Run It, I believe. And, and it was like five verses that got put down, right? And I was thinking like, just structurally, right? And because I know you DJ the event, I'm thinking like, okay, well, what's the time constraints here? Because you know, with verses, they normally cut you off like after the first verse. And so I didn't know if, like, just from a viewer standpoint, if everybody was able to get all this stuff in, or was there like a specific time constraint, you know, for each round? Because it seemed like it was kind of like a free for all at first. Yeah. Um, we were literally supposed to have anywhere from 90 seconds to two minutes. Okay. Um, there was songs that I was like, no, we need to do this, do that. But, um, you know, they were literally oh, at the time, like, no, you know, do this or they're going to cut it off. You know, just like you said. So I was like, all right, cool. So. The, the tricky part is that there is five members in a group. Mm-hmm. And how do we get everybody to get their verses in 90 seconds to two minutes? So, all right, you know, we're going to do Busy and, and, and Wish on this song. We're going to do Cray on this song. We're going to do this or whatever. And, you know, once they say, all right, that's what it is, that's what it is. And, you know, I had a feeling that niggas was going to do uh, old songs and shit like that. But, um, you know, we just tried to stay within the guidelines and shit like that. So it was what it was. Well, well, well let me ask you something kind of to follow up with that. So, like, like 
Mike and I kind of like talked about it, like with the verses uh, previewing it and after like one of the toughest things was that there was five members and it was kind of like, we're y'all in a situation where it's like, are we going to pick the people's like favorite verse from these songs and have that person go to kind of give them their run? Like for me, like uh, 1999 is one of Bones like best records, but the last verse, that's Wish at the end, right? The last verse. Yeah. Like that's 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 the showstopper on there for me. So it's like I would want to hear that verse on that record. So what was like the the decision making process like in terms of like picking verses? Because you got I mean, one of the great things about Bone is the fact that like mostly everybody's on every song together. So You got a lot of verses to cover. Yeah, exactly. Like, Like I said, that's the tricky part when it comes to like time and coming to who's going to do what, because. You know, it's like, okay, Craig did four verses. Like, you get 20 songs, Craig did four verses. This person did five verses. This person did three. And it's like, okay, we have to divide that up by, you know, however many. Um, And then when you got songs like that, one verse is like, damn, they're a minute long already. Mm -hmm. But we already taken in the fact, like, damn. If you do the hook. And you can't yeah. cut them in half either. You know what I mean? And East 99 don't have a fucking hook until the end of the song. Right. 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 That's what I mean. If I were to hear that, I would just want to hear his verse and then the hook at the end. That's about two minutes. Yeah. And that's and that's, and that's pretty dope that you wanted to hear Wishbone's verse and then the hook. You feel me? So, yeah. you know, and like that's that's the tricky part of like right. would want to hear what. Right. You know? That's what I mean. It was like, did y'all just kind of like go with like you know, like personal, like vibe within the crew, or was it more like people's choice awards type of thing, like with it? Everything. Some of both. Everything was a group decision. Okay. And with that being said, to piggyback off of that, everybody had something to say about the fact that they didn't hit first of the month. Like, what's the story behind you know first of the month not being in the verses for uh, Bone? Um, just just a lot going on mm-hmm. and uh with uh the people on the side it was like okay we got we got from six left all right mm-hmm. we got from six went to like four then four went to like we got three then three went to we got one left and it's like oh shit wait a minute hold up so that's that's oh, that's Okay, so I mean, I guess that goes back to what Mike was saying earlier, though. Though it, it seemed to all of us watching that three six was getting to perform like full songs. So was somebody from the crew like, "Hey, like we need to like you know, we need to get these off." You know, nah, nah. on us that never that never crossed anybody's uh, mind. Like we need to get full songs off. That part nobody said nothing about. Okay. We need to get off. Because I mean, yeah, it would have been. It would have been dope, and um, you know, I wanted to. A couple of people was like, "Nigga, you should have just pulled out this song and that song." Like, you know, I didn't want to cut off um, Thuggish Ruggish Bone." That that full song was ready to play. Do you feel I mean, me? I mean, first of the month might be like Bones' like most full and notable song, where you might want to run through the whole song. I think that's why it kind of seemed like like Mike and I talked about it. It's tough even deciding who has the best verse on that song because everybody's so great on there, and yeah. so it makes you think, let's run that record because they ran some of their records. I mean, and it's always great about that. The fact that um, 
by the song not even getting played, the song ended up being number one on Triller's Billboard. <laughs> of course. You know what I'm saying? So everything has its way of working itself out. You know that. I, you know what I'm saying? Even whether the song didn't get played or whatever people want to say, um, you know what I'm saying? And I, I told a couple of people, I like, I take the hit on that. It's, it's whatever. Like everybody's going to look at the DJ no matter what happens. But it's, it's just crazy because of that song not being played. Everybody went and fucking looked for the song and played the shit. So like crazy. you said, though, it was a group decision. Like, I don't think any verses is like on the DJ completely. Like, I mean, all of y'all collectively came together and had a game plan. So, yeah, I don't think that's fair that they want to put that on the DJ. But I mean, it's cool. I take, I ain't tripping. I'll be the, I'll be the bad guys, whatever. <laughs> um, you know, um, were there like, any, go ahead. Not what else? No, go ahead. No, nah, I was about to say like, um, a couple of us wanted to match, match energy with, you know, songs that they played. And, you know, a couple of us was like, you know what, let's just stick to the script and, mm -hmm. and, you know, whatever else. And, um, you know, just everything played out the way it played out, man. It was just, it was crazy how the shit ended off. Um, but, uh, well, that's funny that you say that. Cause that's kind of what I was going to ask you was that, did y'all stick to the script or did y'all call any audibles based on what they were playing? Um, no, we ended up calling a couple audibles after, uh, busy bone walked off stage. Okay. That's when I, that's when some of the audibles happen. Okay, you feel me? Um, you know, after the whole uh, situation went down, um, you know, everything you seen how the stage just got real packed real quick, full of niggas and shit like that. So, yeah. like, fuck, don't get. We just gonna get back to the music, and you know what I'm saying. It would have been dope to uh, play first of the month right there. Uh, it would have been dope to play a few songs. I had probably at least like a good ten bangers just on in the cut. Shoot them up. Uh, I had shoot them up. I had everyday thing. Everyday thing. Yep. Yes. Everyday things. Me and Mike's favorite bone record. Yeah, that's my favorite um, bone record. Or before we started the actual, earth, all of us, all of um, hers doing an acapella version of Me Killer. Mm. You know, speaking of which, I think Everyday Thing would have been another one that I would have loved to hear him just the way he started it off on that song. Like he mm -hmm. set that up. He set those, that song those, off. Those are his two best verses to me, Mike. His verse on Everyday Thing and the verse on East 1999. Yeah. I like him on, on Mo Murder and First of the Month too, actually. But yeah, uh, he, he got some stuff. Wish they can all spit. I think one of the things that the verses really did expose for Bone in a good way. It's how dope they all are as MCs. Like, like it reminded me. I'm like, oh yeah, these guys all can rhyme their ass off, and their breath control is amazing. Right. You know. Right. So that that was like one of those things that was like revealing about it. Like artistically speaking, it's like, oh yeah, them dudes can really rhyme, and it like takes talent to be able to hold your breath and weave on it like that. You know. So that was yeah. like the thing about it. All facts. Yeah. Well, yeah, it, it finally came together. We've been waiting on it for like a year and a half. So. You know, yeah. it, it definitely exceeded expectations altogether. We didn't, 
I mean, I didn't know what to expect from three sixes in. And so with them bringing Terrence Howard and all that out, um, that really wasn't, you know, where I was coming from with it from a three six fan standpoint. I, I, you know, it's crazy, bro. Not to cut you no, off. No, go ahead. I, I expected it, but I, I, I distinctively like remember niggas asking like, what if they play hard out here for a pen? And I was like, nigga, them niggas better not even think about playing that song unless they bring Terrence Howard out. (laughs) (laughs) I think what it was too, like for them, it kind of showed that they had like, they changed so much. And I think with Bones, you know, track list and the verses, it showed everything that Bone fans wanted to hear. Cause I'm a fan of both groups, right? But it's certain three six stuff that I'm really not that much of a fan of, and they played yeah. that stuff, and it was like, yeah, I like the fact that Bone did stick with, you know, the Bone culture, right? Right. Um, yeah, you know, being there, <clears throat> um, you would have had to hear it like the crowd's reaction. Ah, and what was like, the crowd's being reaction YouTube, like? Being on YouTube and IG Live. It's a, it's a different feel, different reaction. And, you know, everybody can just comment on what they see on camera. And they try to hear the crowd's reaction. They ain't going to be able to hear everything like that. What was the crowd like? But, like, when it, when it was time to... Um, when it was time to do certain songs, you heard the crowd saying word for word. You know what I'm saying? Like, when that I Don't Give a Fuck came on, right. shit went bananas then you know what coop brought that song up he knew that that song had to be played and yeah that was a good one that was one i wasn't thinking of off top and that's crazy me being from atlanta too you know yeah it's a banger yeah it's like it's like it's a super banger man you know there was a few songs where it's like you literally heard when buddha lovers came on bro before the, the the shit happened when buddha lovers came on the crowd was singing word for word. Somebody oh. in the chat said Bone had home court advantage when it came to the crowd. Well, that's what that's what everybody said. Yeah. At the at the same time. Hold, hold hold on, position. I got like a hip hop head question for you, right quick. Since we got you here, what's the, what's the better uh, weed smoker song, Buddha Lovers or Bud Smokers Only? Uh, for me, Buddha Lovers. Yeah, me okay. too. And I love Bud Smokers Only. I'm Bud Smokers Only, but yeah. For me, Buddha Lovers, because, you know. It's the end of Bud Smokers Only that gets me. We're crazy. Yeah. Yeah, where he's ad-libbing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. that whole, you know, Earth, Wind & Fire Reason sample is dope, too. So, yeah. But I but I think the whole right. thing, like, Bud Smokers Only, not Bud Smokers Only, Buddha Lovers, I had never heard nothing like that at the time in hip-hop. I mean, taking exactly. myself back to the time when it came out, I ain't never heard anything like that. No, that's true. No, those are facts. And you know, just speaking as a as a as a DJ on that part, just reaction, crowd, patient. You know what I'm saying? It gets them every time and shit because it's 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 like a fucking weed anthem. You know what I'm okay. saying? Yeah. So you know, all right. I remember there being like this mythical. Uh, notion that there was a video for Buddha Lovers. This is back in like 95, 96. I didn't actually see yeah. that video until YouTube came about. But it was one of those right. things where people had said that there was a video that exists for it, and it actually did. 
We was like, nah, nigga, you lying. You didn't see that video. <laughs> it actually existed. Yeah. Yeah, man. But before we get up out of here, man, is there anything you want to, uh, you know, leave the audience with? I know you can say y'all might be about to hit the road. Yeah, no, nah, we, we, you know, uh, hopefully this motherfucking pandemic shit don't fuck everything up. You know what I'm saying? We're supposed to be on the road again, um, doing, doing some, uh, a couple shows this month, uh, a few shows in February. Um, I got another album about to drop called Built For It All. And, um, I got another album dropping out, uh, coming out this summer and shit. I don't want to say the name of that yet. But it's it's dope as fuck. Um, just working, man. That's it. Um, and I'm doing some other shit that's like I'm just full of surprise. Well, yeah, definitely come back and holler at us when the albums drop too. And you know what I'm saying? We can talk about those too. Facts. Got to, man. Of Appreciate course, it. man. Of course. You got anything, Coop, before we get out of here? No, I just wanna thank you for coming on, talking to us, giving yeah. us some insight. It was really good talking to you. It was great, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, all day, man. When I when I come back out y'all way, man, um, hopefully I'll be I'll be back uh, turned up with a couple drinks in my hand and shit like that. I ain't drinking right now. I'll be taking like a couple months off, let my body reset and shit. No, good to take up. breaks. We talked. Yeah, to, no, I no. talked to Kane uh, a few weeks back. He was actually <laughs> supposed to be on. He had like you know issue where he couldn't. Like time was getting messed up, but uh, he said he's gonna be in Atlanta, and we all gonna hook up anyway. So. Um, I was yeah, telling yeah. him about this studio space that we're working on, and um, yeah, we're gonna do some building. So we all need to connect. Yeah. Definitely going down, bro. Appreciate that shit all day, all day. Hit us when you get to the A, fam. Yes, sir. Oh yeah, and I'm we on, bro. Shit, and I mean, I need some good ass soul food when I get to the A. <laughs> of course, yeah. Um, we yeah, got to point you in the right direction. I haven't had I haven't had no Hennessy. It's been a year since I had uh, any Hennessy, so I think I might try to switch back a little bit and get some. There it is. All you right. know what I'm saying? Just turn bucket. Yeah. All right. Well, happy New Year, and again, appreciate you coming through, giving us a little bit of insight about what you saw, and I can't wait to hear the new music too. All day. Appreciate y'all. Of course. Yeah. All day. All right. Yeah. Uh, I think I think we there. I think we there. Yeah, get y'all got. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me hang you up over here. Uh, let's see. Okay. Oh, gotcha. All right. Yeah, we we went right into it. Uh, shout out to everybody in the room right now. We got like 106 people in the room. Well, good little interview. Good way to start off the show. Coop, how you yeah. doing? <laughs> I know we. You there? Blessed and highly favored. Peace to all. Yeah, yeah. I think that was some really interesting insight. Uh, I know we were supposed to do that a few weeks back, but, you know, people's schedules and all of that. So uh, we finally got position mm -hmm. on. And, yeah, I'm, I'm glad he was able to clarify some things. Uh, everybody talking about that first of the month thing. That I knew that had to be a group decision, but, you know, it happens. No, it was insightful stuff. You know what I mean? It was good talking to him. And I kind of like, uh, <clears throat> it's always good kind of like talking to artists and DJs and people connected, but also like doing their own thing too. So you can kind of like catch the uh, uh, the wave and the vibe of what they have going on, you know? Because like he said, man, you can't really gauge the crowd of versus, you know, watching it on, t on TV or your computer or whatever. No, that was uh, a very astute assessment that he that, made. 
that's one of the things that people don't even talk about when it comes to verses. And, you know, you have to be able, I think that's a big part of the the process, the uh, not the process, that's not the word I'm looking for, the experience. You can't have, the biggest part of a live show experience is the crowd. The performer and the crowd. And those two engaging. And I think Versus has become so commercialized where originally it started out where it was just like, okay, I'm here playing my songs and you're at your crib playing your songs, that there was no audience involved. But when they start getting the audience involved, that becomes a player in this whole Versus thing. And that's something that we just can't see as viewers and fans. You're right. I mean, he spoke to a lot of things behind the scenes that like go unseen, you know, so... I think those are some things that uh, Versus could possibly improve on. Uh, I don't know if it, it calls for them to do some sort of a tour with that, but I don't know. I, I, I don't think that it's hard for you to be able to, uh, I guess, showcase that during a live because we see live things happen anyway. Right. And people done... are in the chat talking about magic. Go ahead. No, I mean, they've done a lot with verses in a little bit of time, so it makes it seem like it's been around longer than it has. So we're going to give them some leeway in terms of taking time to build out something more organizational and structural live in terms of like the ability to ad lib and deal with circumstances as they come. Definitely. All right. Well, let's get into the show title, right? Right. It has come to our attention, as it always seems to. That Hip Hop DX, uh, very credible website uh, in years past. You know, I, I've gone to them for a lot of new music. Mm-hmm. Um, they were criticizing the sales of Nas's Magic Project. Um, it says Nas and Hip Boy's surprise Magic album makes a dismal Billboard uh, 200 debut. And not to just go on the title of things, I I went through and read the article. Did you read the article? I did. Okay. I found it very interesting that they didn't really say a lot about the album itself. Uh, everything was talking about performance. And, uh, well, first things first, we're living in an era where, and I, I've been saying this over the past few months, First week sales don't matter. I think that, you know, I think that I was talking about that while the Donda and Certified Loverboy stuff was out. Because they were trying to make that another one of those 50 Cent Kanye West things. Where it was like, okay, we're going to measure the album's results numerically and crown that king. That didn't seem to work for either one of those albums. Uh, So first of all, I don't know why sales were even a conversation. And especially we were talking about an artist like Nas, who's never, you know, we never really gauged Nas on his sales. I mean, famously, Illmatic did what, like 50,000 in the first week? Something very low. It took forever to go gold. And no I mean, cares. the original, I mean, Illmatic, it's original, like, like as far as, like, 1994, it came out in April. I believe it moved 300,000 units in 94. In the whole year? Yeah, from okay. April to the end of the year, it moved, like, 300,000 units. It didn't get gold, I think, until, like, 
like until the guest appearances in 95 happened for him, like the Cool G rap, the Mob Deep, the Ray, like like all that. It went gold around that time. And then it went platinum around the time I think it was written. Like it really just, you know, so um, it was never a big seller. Okay. One thing that happened in this article, too, is the fact that I believe Magic went number one on iTunes like the first week. That wasn't mentioned in this article. I found that interesting that that was left off. Well, let's talk about the overall synopsis of the article. It's not that they made an invalid critique because they pulled up factual numbers. Mm -hmm. But it kind of goes back to the fabric of what I've been saying. It's like, why y'all talking about Nas like Nas is just like some sort of regular, like run of the mill hip hop artist and not giving him the respect like other legends and other genres are giving, even if you're critiquing their material like one of the things to say about Nas is something that you just said well Nas is somebody that hasn't really been determined in this culture by his record sales so these sales are you get what I'm saying there's so many avenues as journalists that they could have traveled to give him some respect still while saying all of these uh sales driven factual things and they conveniently left out other information that was positive like him going number one on iTunes so when you mm-hmm. skew it from the manner of, of critiquing in that manner and then leaving out other pertinent numbers-driven information, well, now it looks like you have an agenda, and that's why we pull it up. Even though we like them and respect them, it's like, well, they know what time it is, and what so the, it's like, what y'all doing? Well, the thing is, it's like, okay, like you said, why is this even the lead-in? And why why wasn't it, why wasn't it more about... Why wasn't it more about actually reviewing the album as opposed to this critique? Well, and because I still haven't seen a review from any of these publications in regards to Magic. Do you mind if I read some of the article, you know, for the people who, um, you know, might not have it pulled up? Yeah, yeah, run it. Yeah, yeah. I want, that's why I was over here. I was looking it up on my other computer. All right, no, no, so it says. So it says, Nas and Hit Boy Surprise Magic album makes dismal uh, Billboard 200 debut. Nas and Hit Boy announced their collaborative album, Magic, just one day before its December 24th release, and less than five months after King's Disease 2. Boasting nine tracks, the album features just two guests, DJ Premier and ASAP Rocky, and came with the, with the promise of King's Disease 3 on the song Ugly. Now, Magic has made the two, uh, Billboard 200 debut, but it didn't exactly dazzle, at least not yet. According to Billboard, the project moved over 22,000 total album equivalent units in its opening week, landing at number 30. Uh, by comparison, King's Disease 2 landed at number 2 on the Billboard uh, 200 and approximately 56,000 total album equivalent units moved. Uh, while the modest debut could be attributed to the holidays and its Friday release, Playboy Cardi earned number one a number one album with Whole Lot of Red, which was released on Christmas Day in 2020. Although the holiday fell on a Friday, uh, I, I I don't understand why that was even done. But okay, we'll, I'm gonna get to that in a minute. Unlike Magic, Nas was able to do plenty of interviews ahead of uh, following King's Disease 2's arrival. In December to, uh, 2021, Nas spoke about the album in an interview with uh, Vice ID, which he agreed the project was really focused on his legacy as an MC. 
Um, then they got the quote from there where it says, um, I thought that it should give people some insight into where I've been and where I'm going, he said about the album. But also at the same time, just expressing what feeling, what, um, excuse me, what I'm feeling and how the day is and uh, where I am at this age at these days. And how happy that I was just to be in the comfort zone and make music. And at this place uh, where I am in my life, I'm happy to give people that experience. More specifically, Nas talked about the track Death Row East, which uh, found... I mean, the rest of this is about King's disease, too. So, Mike, so you want to know what happened? <clears throat> and this is what I mean, and this is why we're pulling up. And we've been pulling up about this a lot. They ain't doing no work over the holiday. That's what this is about. They went and pulled quotes that were more related to King's disease, too. Mm -hmm. Because doing stuff concerning magic would have required them to listen to magic multiple times, do an adequate, proper review, and go get some relevant and current quotes related to magic. They didn't do their job. Like, they didn't do the work. It was the holiday, and they didn't do the work, so they just threw something together. And it's like, this is what I keep saying. No, like, you don't just throw something together for Nas. Like, Y'all not more important than Nas to this culture, so you don't carry him in that manner. This was a bunch of nothing, Nas. in my opinion. This was not to interrupt you. This was a bunch of nothing. It's like that's what to I mean. Mike, they didn't do tire. any work. It's a bunch of nothing. They just threw a whole bunch of work. They didn't, Mike. It doesn't. We're gonna get to first. You say he people. did. First, you said that okay, it did drop on Christmas Eve. Well, first of all, they put it out there that they. Uh, um, that he gave everybody a day's notice, right? And then you said it dropped on Christmas Eve. And then you want to bring the caveat that I didn't like where they brought up Playboy Cardi's album dropping on Christmas Day last year, which had 24 songs, by the way. And we're talking in streaming units. Obviously, a 24-song record is going to get played a lot more than a nine-song record, right? So... Come on, man. And Christmas Day is different than Christmas Eve. And Christmas Day was on a Friday last year. So No, Mike. This is what I mean about they didn't do any work. Like This is simple journalistic stuff. Because they didn't do, want to do the work, they're like, oh, well, that's related to whatever hip-hop project came out around this time last year. They skipped the work of working on the project. I, You know what? It feels like. And this is this is where I'm coming from with it. And I'm sure that, you know, everybody who reached out to us about this actual article feels a similar way. It feels like it would have just been less work to actually review the album as opposed to pulling a bunch of nothingness and trying to get a catchy title to say that basically Nas and Hit Boy fell off with this album. So now, so now let's go ahead and get to this. Well, in moments like these, this feeds that whole agenda where it just seems like, yo, they really don't want somebody like Nas on top of this game. It literally is against everything that certain powers that be are for because of the things that he's for and represents. And it shows itself in these moments within our community. Who wrote this the article? It's a period. Kyle Estes. Let's see. I want y'all to see who wrote this. Is that Kyle? It looks like a woman. I don't know. Um, I mean, I, I don't. <clears throat> I mean, I care who wrote it, but I don't because uh, 
it's the whole narrative again that we keep having to discuss about a few things. But and 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 this is the thing about it. Nas is the target of this, other than legendary MCs. Like I've been saying, it's like no other legend gets treated this way. But it's like no legend should get treated this way. They don't get treated this way in any other genre. It's phenomenal, man. Listen, um, I someone reached out to me yesterday and was like, look. You need to listen to this one uh, Epstein podcast with Rosenberg and Cypher Sounds. And they were talking about magic. And <laughs> they had less than favorable things to say about it, which is fine. Everybody could have their own critiques. But I was like, you know, I want to check out the show. I sent you the link to the show. And it was a very, very interesting take um, on the album because it seemed like First of all, the criticism was there. And then when they start playing the records, they had to damn near justify their criticisms to their live audience because they were playing. I will give Rosenberg this. I don't know if he was just randomly playing stuff, but he was playing some good clips because I didn't know if they were good. You can't really pull bad spots for Magic anyway. But when he start playing the verses, it's like, Digga, he's snapping. What is your problem? And then it became about song structure. So it, it, it just started to feel like you guys are grasping at straws to find a way to make these Nas albums not feel like they're as good as they actually are. And, you know, so on much. this show, and people could probably go back to our old episodes, I've picked at you as a Nas fan and other Nas fans to say, look, Nas fans think anything that Nas makes is great. I, me as a person is trying to be as balanced as possible. I'm not saying this stuff is great just to say it. The way he's right. rapping on Magic is special. And it's I'm not special. just saying, I'm not one of those Nas fans that thinks anything he does is great. I, I even got, because uh, I was in the comment section uh, from one of our previous episodes, we were talking about all the albums that him and Jay made. And we were talking about Untitled, Hip Hop Is Dead, and uh, um, um, uh, Streets Disciple kind of being a down period for him. Yeah, Some people in the comments were like, yo, those are my favorite albums. And Mike, that's I saw fun. Those people, Mike, I saw <laughs> those people making those comments. I didn't call any of those people crazy, like outright crazy, but I let them know that, that no, that's a mid. And I get that. And there is a lot of that out there when it comes to not. But this right here is not it. <laughs> this no, is the this real, is the real. The, this, Mike, Mike, Magic is better than all three of those projects put together, Mike. No, I've been listening to Magic again. And, and like I said, it was funny listening to Rosenberg and Cypher Sounds because they were playing the songs on their show. And I'm like, yeah, this shit sounds even better than I thought it did. So and Rosenberg so was like, well, this sounds better right now than it was when I was playing in my car or something. He said. Why? It's so problematic. Let me tell you what I heard. And, and it goes back to the Hip Hop DX article, too. Mm -hmm. They haven't really even listened to the album like that, Mike. Like, I realized when Rosenberg was talking, it's like, man, this is your second time hearing all of this. Right. You haven't, you, you haven't been doing the work. Once again, Mike, we talking about the work and it's not like the work is complicated. The work is to listen to the music multiple times and come up with an objective and valid critique about it. The critiques weren't valid because it was just blatantly obvious to anybody 
who knows hip hop or knows anything about journalism. Oh, he hadn't listened to these records like that to be giving out those critiques. And so he started backpedaling almost as soon as he started pedaling forward because he was realizing on the second listen, like, oh, shit, this shit is slapping. And let me tell you what's going on when he's listening to a car. He's probably taking phone calls. He might have somebody with him. He's talking. He ain't heard this project, Mike. And that then, happens and to then, me. So I know. And then, Right, yeah. and then he, and then they both pretty much went into get get off my, get off get off my lawn mode, talking about well, the primo and Nas don't make New York State of mind or something better. It's like, are you high right now? Like, if you are, like if you are, share it with us because when you're comparing like like wanting Nas in 2021 to do something comparable to New York State of Mind, Mike, lyrically in terms of Mike performances, Mike, there probably haven't been 10 records like New York State of Mind since New York State of Mind got made. Well, see, like, this is the thing, too. What are you talking cool. about? On top of that, this is what, and this is my theory when it comes to just growing up and just being impressionable and being a hip-hop fan. I heard Cypher Sound say that basically... New York State of not New York State of Mind. Yeah, New York State of Mind Part One. It moved him to damn near tears, and he wants something to hit him like that. Listen, that was twenty seven years ago. I don't know how old Cypher Sounds Mike, is now, he hit us but all like he was. That. He, but I'm saying he was at a very impressionable age anyway. So there's, I have this theory that the best hip hop that you ever hear is going to come out, at least to you is going to come out between your ages of 12 and 20, or 18, 20. Nothing's going to hit me like shadow boxing anymore. It's just not. You know what I'm saying? Even if somebody made something that was comparable to it, I could respect it, but it's not going to hit me like I was 14 anymore. So no, quit Mike. holding Nas to standards of your own individual impressionableism. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, like that's what's so dangerous about what they just did. Mike, I was 13 when Illmatic came out. I know what he's talking about with New York yeah. State of Mind, but Mike, I'm also going to tell you something. As soon as he said that Represent was the second best primo Nas joint, I was like, you're just a New York guy that wants Nas to do his New York shit. Yeah. You don't, like, because Represent isn't, like, the second or third best Nas primo pairing. It's probably, like, fourth or fifth. It's the third best Nas primo pairing on that album. Well, you could tell that Rosenberg is slightly younger than Cypher Sounds, too, because of how high he held New York State of Mind Part 2 and Nas's life. You know what I'm no, saying? No, I'm with him on. I'm with him on the Nas's like, not with him totally on the New York State of Mind too. The beat is there. Nas, I love New York it. State of Mind. Now, if you want to make a critique about Nas not reaching a level, for me, he didn't reach the level lyrically on New York State of Mind Part Two that he did on Part One. And Primo came through beat wise more than Nas came through lyrically. Like Nas is like though. Oh no 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 no. That's eighty. That's that's a ten out of ten. I think know? it's the second best song they made together. But what Nas is like? Yeah. Uh, I, I, that depends on how you feel. Just me as a Nas uh, fan, I, guess I would probably like, go right. Yeah, I would probably put "I Gave You Power" right ahead of Nas's like. So I probably have Nas's like at fourth. The but I think is, "Memory Lane," but I think "Memory power. Lane" is special, special record though. The thing about "I Gave You Power" for me is like the beat's not that special to me. I think that it's more about the song. No, I said you don't know that it's preem, but Mike, I said, like I said, lyrically, Mike, I mean, don't show me a better three verses than I gave you power. I gave you power, beat-wise, sounds like it could have been on Reasonable Doubt. Is that fair? When you uh, listen to what that sounds like friend of foe-ish. You know what I'm saying? 
No, I was about to say it sounds friend or foe ninety eight ish. So if you want to go like ninety seven, like volume one, like it sounds more like it sounds more rhyme no more and um in friend or foe ninety eight like to me if we, if we were like picking like some of the J records that he he, he freaked. And again, man, you know, I know people are probably going to continue to go to this channel and be like, man, y'all just need to get off of Nas's nuts or whatever. I'm not one of those type of Nas fans. And I've got to be honest. No one holds any of these other MCs to that standard that we seem to hold no. Nas to. Mike, no one, Mike, we shouldn't even Jay's be talking about him. around asking Mike. him to make the evils. No. Listen, no. Jay Z literally doesn't even rap the same, never rap the same Mike. as he did on his first album, and no one ever says anything about that. Mike, do people ask Rock him to remake Eric B as president or lyrics of Fury or follow the like? No, they don't ask this out of any other icon. Is everybody asking Ice Cube to go make Today Was a Good Day? But see what it's mm -hmm. become though. Are we Cody? asking Scarface to make Hand of the Dead Body and never seen a man die? What it's Am become, I playing tricks on me? We don't ask Face to do that. What's dangerous, though, Coop, and what this has become is even, and we've seen it with Magic, even when Nas comes with a dope album, y'all find a way to criticize it using Illmatic. And that's the part that's not okay. You know what I'm saying? It's what like, I get it. But at the Mike. same time, let's not sit here and use Illmatic as a way to dismiss some really good work. Mike. And so when he, even when he was talking about like the level that Illmatic is on, like has a classic, it's like, okay, Mike, let me break it down. There's like, um, there's seven heavens, Mike, but, but God's on the third heaven. So like, if we're tearing classics off, like Illmatic belongs in the third heaven. So like, I get what he's saying. That doesn't mean that there's not other heavens, like where there's other classics lie. So magic's not in Illmatic level it's not in that third tier but mike that doesn't mean that it can't be classic like i'll tell you something it's like i don't consider the college dropout to be like a classic the likes of doggy style or equimini or the purple tape but it's still a classic mike it's just a different tier and it seems like they just hold nods to this tier where it's like well if you don't do that it's not classic and it's like no like like mike scarface made the diary that's 94 right same year Illmatic came out right into mm -hmm. 94, December, yeah. November 94 is the diary, right? Right. Scarface ain't made nothing like the diary since the diary. But every time Scarface make a classic album, we call it classic and we treat face like face. You feel me? Yeah. Because we understand that he doesn't have to make the diary again. We don't we got do that to anybody else. We, got we don't do that we got to Master of the Dying Breed. Yeah. You feel what I'm saying? And every time he drop classic shit, we like, there go face dropping classic shit. Yeah. When Jay drop classic shit, we like, there go Jay dropping classic shit. When Nas drop classic shit, we'd be like, well, it's not Illmatic. It's like, shut the fuck up. Yeah, Illmatic shit. Shut up. Illmatic shouldn't even, even come up dude. in the conversation. And you know go. what? And, and the fact I'm a that... I'm Nas fan. Let it go. Let and, it go. Grow listen, up. And the fact that it continuously comes up, or it even came up in this conversation, I'm talking yeah. about Rosenberg and Cypher Sounds conversation, let you know that A, magic is a strong effort, and B, you guys probably didn't listen to the album. Like they didn't that. listen to the album. Uh, the thing is, too, I don't like the fact that when he was actually playing the records during the podcast, obviously people in the uh, in the chat were not going along with what they were saying. Then he had to say, Well, don't get me wrong, Nas is rhyming on a high level here. Like he's spitting, but it's the song structure. Now come on now. So, so, Mike, come on now. We're talking about hip hop music. Mike, We're talking about song structure, and he brought up he now, brought up Kanye's jail song mm -hmm. as the example. 
No, Mike, it's the fact that they bought up the Kanye produced song, everything. When I was like, okay, y'all are desperate. So let me tell you something about a record like that that's great. Kanye could have laid that and could have had that lace for anybody. We don't know who that was for. Nas mm -hmm. was probably at the right place in the right time. The things that are great about that record is the song structure, but that is what's great about that record is the melody and the song structure. Nothing else about that record is really epic or classic Nas. It's not a record people go to like they go to, I don't know, Death Row East, Mike. So when they bring yeah. it up everything, well, he about brought that song, up and spoke favorably when, when, about that one too, though. When, to but fair. Mike, when he bought, when they bought up everything and was like, well, Hit Boy's not putting stuff together like this for Nas. I'm like, so you didn't just hear Death Row East or nobody or well, Store Run. But the funny part about that is, though, Coop, they did bring up Death Row East, and Rosenberg pointed that out as a song that was. Great song structure, but it's better than everything, Mike. It blows everything out the water. What is he talking about? Listen, I like everything, and I know we did a show months ago talking about the fact that Nasir is quite slept on for whatever reason. But I like everything on this album more than everything. If we're gonna sit here and say what song Mike. you want to listen to, I'm not gonna sit here and get all nerdy and say, okay, well. I need choruses here. I need this and this here. Niggas ain't doing that for like when, when they listen to the Living Proof by Group Home, are they? Right. You know what I'm so saying? Mike, like, so why are we Mike, doing this tonight? Mike, the only record on here that everything is better than on Magic is Woo for the Children. That yeah. is the weakest record on here. Everything's better than that. Every other record on here is better than everything. But they don't know that, Mike, because they didn't really listen to the record. I was and waiting on them to talk about the truth. No one Mike, talked about the truth. They didn't even bring up the truth. That's how I know they didn't listen to the record. And also, too, they didn't even make it to the end of the album, Mike. I think they stopped after the primo cut because they spent so much time criticizing the primo cut. I'm like, oh, that's when y'all stopped listening. Oh, the criticism Mike. of the primo cut was crazy. It's the fact that what are all of these different samples come together and make sense? Like, no one in the hook said wave gods. I was like, Mike. what? Mike, DJ Premier has been doing that on tracks. <laughs> Almost our entire lives. And they've been around longer than we have. What are they talking about once again? That Listen, once again, man. Everyone is, you know, everyone has their own opinion. And I love the fact that we do have the internet and people have their own microphones and are able to engage with audiences and uh, express their own opinions. But they sounded crazy. They sounded like, like they were criticizing it just to criticize. And like you said... Sound like they didn't even listen to it. Didn't even give it the time of day. Oh, Mike, I'm telling you. I'm telling you from his response, like, Mike, if you watch, Mike, Mike what, what's Siegel say on feeling in the air? Read the body language. 85% of communication nonverbal. Look at his nonverbal reactions when he's listening to the records again. He's like, you can see him kind of like, oh, shit, I really didn't listen to this. No, you didn't. Well, you know what? Right. It's interesting uh, because I listened to the podcast on like on my mobile and I found the actual link after the fact. So I didn't see yeah. what you saw. Nah, um, I want to see you. Yeah, your nonverbal tell me everything. People sit up there and get on. Mm -mm, want to see your nonverbal. He was like surprised at how great Nas was sounding and how those records were coming together. It's because you didn't listen. Now, 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 you got a big enough following. Go ahead and be honest. Be like, hey, it was the holidays. I was with my family. Had a lot going on. I really haven't given this a clear listen. I'm gonna come back with a clear listen. Well, I think a lot. Of, well, the criticism started when they start hearing nothing but great things about the album, and then that's when they started kind of going into their 
Well, I mean, right. listen, I'll at least give Rosenberg like- this. I'll give Rosenberg this. Rosenberg actually was trying to bring the album in the conversation and speak to the album. You could tell Cypher Sounds was just totally uh, like, I ain't fucking yeah. with no Nas shit. That's what I got from him. Mike, this is what they did. Mike, they they started hearing about Magic. You see that album at the top? That's what they did. They just went straight to Illmatic. As soon as they heard people saying great stuff about Magic, like they always do, they went straight up there. And I get it. There's levels, man. And for me, you know, when you got somebody like, let's just say Redman, to me, that level is Muddy Waters. When you got somebody like uh, Ghostface, his level for me is Supreme Clientele. And it's like, I'm not going to sit here and dismiss anything that they make outside of that. And the fact that they were conceding the fact that he was rhyming his ass off on this album and there was nothing else you could go to but song structure, it kind of comes across as hating. And at that point, it makes me wonder, like, okay, who sent you to hate on this Nas album and why? Or do you just want to hate on the Nas album for no reason? So, Mike... How they start off this podcast sitting up here praising Jay talking over the intro to volume three. They praising Jay talking over the intro to volume three. And then 40 minutes later, they go criticize magic. I'm just saying. Well, like, what? before they did that, um, you know, Rosenberg, he criticized uh, Forever Young and Empire. Oh, he said State it was terrible because it is. No, no, no. It he is said terrible because it, it is. I've always said that song's terrible. I, I never liked that record. And um No, the song's terrible, but did you hear how he referenced Jay has like even when he see this is what I mean about showing respect. He was being disrespectful, but listen to how he framed it. If you were to tell people this is the greatest MC of all time, when he's talking about Nas, he says he's one of the greats. He's one of the greatest. When you're he right. talks about I Jay, that too. greatest of all time. You see I, how the conversation is skewed? I told you we ain't handing out no hall pass, and I ain't handing out no hall pass. Somebody been in the game for twenty years, like I don't. Well, this is the thing. This is the thing, and it's funny you mention it like that. How you doing? What up? It's funny you mention it like that because Nas isn't one of the greatest. I mean, he just is the greatest of all time, right? Why you? And you know the other part that was interesting. The other part that was interesting about what Rosenberg said too. He he conceded the fact that. Jay-Z's hit records and most notable records are his corniest records. So right. with that's that being said saying. in this whole versus conversation, that's on, why Mike. I want to know if Jay's going to do a versus and if he does a versus, what songs are going to be played? Because Money Cash Hoes is not going to play as well as you think it's going to play in 2022 or whatever. And if it does, it'll be because, you know, we no longer have DMX here. You know, rest in peace to DMX. But honestly, those songs just didn't age that well. And that's just the God honest truth. And that's so, why he keeps harping on the B-sides, because those are the stronger records. So so it kind of sounds like, I mean, Mike, let's just be honest. They were both making statements and sentiment that we've been making in prior shows about some of these matters. But that's neither here nor there. Of course. But what is But... But here, but here's the thing about it. It's like they're framing it as if like Jay sits on this pedestal right. that Nas doesn't sit on. And it's like, well, if anything, at this point on a bad day, even if you're objective, it's equal footing. So just kind of give it some equal footing. And it's like their refusal to is what makes people think that they're 
is some sort of agenda to it. I'm going to be honest, man. And I, even since we've started this show, I think when I went to, I think it was the Jay-Z and Friends concert in Atlanta. Uh, that might have been like back in 2002. It was like between Blueprint 2 and the Black Album. And Jay-Z went up there, had a whole bunch of guests too, by the way. But he went up there for like two and a half hours. Killed the mm-hmm. show. And mm-hmm. you could just see his level with the other performers level and all that. And ever since that day, I said Jay-Z was the greatest ever. And he kept going. Mm-hmm. He kept going. But I'm going to tell you right now, based on King's Disease, King's Disease 2, Magic, and we sit here looking at the catalogs, and we look at what certain people were in the 90s, 2000s, collectively, got distant relatives. Nas is better than Jay-Z. It's what it is. And, you know, and I'm saying this as a person who has said Jay-Z was the greatest for, like, probably 15 years straight now. Well, probably longer than that. I'm just going to be honest. At this moment and at this juncture until proven otherwise, that number one spot goes to Nasir Jones. It's what it is. Yeah, because, you know, Mike, he really, like with these last three projects, he covered it on both sides. So do you remember what Star told us last year about Nas in relationship to how he didn't have Nas up there the way we did because of Rakim? Uh-huh. Well, Mike. The guy that made KD1, KD2, and Magic sounds nothing like Rakim. No, that's real. You feel me? So you, you get what I'm saying? He got it on both sides now. Like the guys that are saying Rakim, it's like, nah, Rakim don't got it like this on this end. It's not sounding like this this late. And for the J guys, it's like you can go to the catalog. But Mike, he said something that I've been saying, which is, is like Jay's best stuff is his B-sides. If your best stuff is your B-sides, you about to lose to Nas. Nas is the king of the great B-sides. His B sides right. is the stuff of legend and lost tapes, Mike. Even listen, even when I was saying Jay was the greatest, I would concede to that. Even then, but you now the B sides are not going to sound as great when you play them up against the guy who makes the greatest B sides. That's what I've been saying the whole time. Now listen, if Nas would have hung it up or did similar things that Jay has done since like over the past ten years and not been active like that, do a song here and there. Yeah, maybe Jay would still be ahead. But the fact that all we got is 444, uh, uh, Holy Grail, and everything is love in the past 10 years. And for this guy, we got uh, distant relatives. I left out Watch the Throne. But again, you know how I feel about Watch the Throne. Because you're sitting here with, with one of the greats on that one too. And he's leading the show. But yeah, but when you go that against uh, 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 distant relatives, Nasir, Lost Tapes 2, KD, KD2, and now Magic. I would be a fool and a liar to sit here and say that Jay Z is still leading that race because he's not. You left out life is good, Mike. You I left, left out, out life, life is, is good. good. I forgot all about life is good. Yeah. That's what I'm saying, Mike. It's just people so much quality Mike, material, man. Mike, people were talking about Life is Good as a potential top five Nas album when it came out. It's like on the back. It might be like nine or ten right now. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, but, it's insane. No, it it is insane. I mean, it's it's it, it's been a great run for him because he's had like three different careers within this. And it's just like we just need to like cover it properly and give it its due, Mike. I told you, Mike, when I heard Death Row East, it was like, this is over. I was like, he don't got nothing for this. because, Yeah, because Mike, 
when Nas is doing what Nas is doing and can make you bop your head and want to dance, oh, it's over. It's over. Well, you know what? Let's get back to the subject. him making records like that. Like, Mike, the truth the truth is something you can ride and bob your head to, but it's still Nas doing Nas stuff. That's what I mean. Hit Boy got Nas in a place where he ain't even really been consistently, where it's like you find yourself listening to him and being great, but you're riding to his shit, too. They weren't supposed to make this album, and KD2 wasn't supposed to be as good as it was. Because the mm-hmm. fact that not not only are people trying to find a way, the ones that choose to talk about it, trying to find a way to make you feel like you didn't just hear what you heard. You heard something else. That's no, one thing. But the other thing is the fact that people are neglecting to even review this album. None of the major publications have reviewed this album. And the, the only reviews I've seen for this album, and they were favorable, were like from Clash Magazine, uh, you know, some, some publications that aren't that big. But the ones that mm-hmm. usually jump on these reviews the day of the release or two days after the release, we see nothing from. And I think that's very disappointing, too, from Hip Hop DX. So and the fact so that we want- haven't gotten a review from Hip Hop DX, but we get an article about its first week sales. You've had this for a week and a half now. Do you know? So do you know what that is? Because speaking about because KD2 didn't get as much like 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 run as it shouldn't have gotten positive review like it shouldn't have gotten. Right. But Mike, what you really do if you review KD, KD2 and Magic the way they're supposed to be reviewed? Well, in the process of that, you have to see that this guy is the greatest MC of all exactly. time. And that's why they're not covering exactly they don't want to see the fact that this is the greatest mc of all time yeah. so they're trying to act like it's not happening this isn't and happening they look like you didn't hear what you just heard right that's what they're trying to do or they're yeah. trying to make it seem like oh well it's not as illmatic well neither was it was written the lost tapes godson oh Katie, well it Katie didn't sell like, any... none of those are illmatic you like, want to know oh. what else isn't illmatic mike reasonable doubts not illmatic ready to like, die oh. not illmatic right right and then, and then on top of that, not and then on top of that, Coop, they're like, "Oh, it didn't sell any records. Nobody oh, heard shit. this." So, it's <laughs> so what happens if you go out there and you have to give KD two the praise it deserves, and then you have to go out there and um, be unbiased about magic? So, what happens to this other guy that y'all say is untouchable? Mike, Death Row East is a knockout blow. I told you this conversation been over since Death Row East. That's track two on KD2. This conversation been over since then. TD like, oh, says KD2 had great reviews. Did it? Because Pitchfork Media mm-hmm. gave Pepper Pig more uh, stars than that album. And we had to call them reviews, out for it. When you say great reviews, anybody that rated it less than an eight and a half didn't rated objectively or right so no it didn't get great well you know what that regard i'm in front of my computer we can find that out right now uh i can go to metacritic and find out what everybody rated this album yeah go ahead and hit it up well didn't equipment i get the highest hip-hop rating ever on metacritic and some pimp a butterfly shortly after that so king's disease 2 uh with a cumulative score, it was favorable. It was 86 okay. out of 100. Okay, no. Okay, so that's over 8.5, yeah. yeah. Uh, Clash, gave, Clash gave that one 7 out of 10, where they gave Magic 9 out of 10. Okay. Um, let's see. King's Disease, the first one, its Metacritic um, a cumulative score was 72 out of 100. 
That's a little low. I would give it more 80-ish and, if I was just uh, being all things. Pitchfork gave that higher than they gave KD2. But oh, they don't know what they're doing. We don't know that. Was it? No, it was Rolling Stone that had some bad things to say about King's Disease 1. They said it they're was the worst. The, um, they're the worst. They're the worst. You know what? They're they the actually, they ranked, they're the worst. they ranked Playboy Cardi's album, Whole Lot of Red, number one album of 2021. And, you know, I'm going to well, be perfectly God. honest. And, you know, I know we listen to music from all eras. That Playboy Cardi album is trash. I don't care what anyone says. Man, I can't. It sounds like noise. You're going to sit here and give that the number one hip hop album of 2021? They don't know what they're doing. I mean, I don't know. They even, gave Lil Nas X like number six, too. So, you know, take, they don't, take they don't that know what for whatever doing. you want to take it for. Anyway. Yeah, no, but yeah, nobody's rating Magic. I'm sitting here looking for the uh, cumulative scores for Magic. They just say, you know what, we're not even going to rate this one. But Mike, we are going to tell you what the first week sales are. Mike, they walking with their head down, scared to look. They yeah. shook. It's it's amazing, man. It, it really is. And I'm glad mm-hmm. that we're here to talk to the people, and I'm glad the people are actually you know able to talk to us. So we know that we're not tripping. And I know uh, Rosenberg and Cypher Sound saw that too when they were doing their show and trying to come up with, you know, critiques out of nowhere. People were telling them like, "No, nah, this is flames, man. This is so fire." Mike, pe- people think we're like flagshipping for Nas, and it's like we're kind of like stressing the point that it's like, "No, nah, we're doing what we're supposed to do. These other people aren't doing what they're supposed to do, but makes it look like we're riding harder than we actually are. We're actually doing our jobs and giving it to do." That it deserves, because Mike, last year, Conway. all we talked about was Griselda and because West they Side, ran man. it. Yep. This year, all we talked about is Nas because Nas ran it. We give the do where it goes. What you're finding, if you listen to us and then go listen to everybody else, is that there's a lot of politics and bullshit going on. I feel that's like preventing too. people from doing their job, and some people just outright ain't doing their job, like not listening to the album over the holidays. Okay, you know what? I, I feel like also to piggyback off of that, even when we talk about somebody like Sky Zoo's album, like you know, what I'm saying it's not a lot of people talking about those efforts. We gave that album the you know the praise that it deserves because it's a wonderful piece of work. Same I thing with Isaiah. Like, I mean, it's in both of our top fives for album of the year still, right? Yeah. No, yeah, because it deserves to be. So we're gonna treat it like such. It's incredible. You know what I mean? And you know, so it's um it's interesting, I mean, man. And you know, I didn't really understand that the media was so much against Nas until we really start covering it. And then you look at this magic thing you. and no one is saying anything. I'm still looking for reviews from this. Like I told you, Mike, I told you this been going on since that nineteen ninety-six vibe it was written review. And you know the 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 most disgusting part about it is they find a way to use Nas's incredible debut album against him in any given facet. What they, what they did on uh, Rosenberg and Cypher Sounds podcast was textbook. That was textbook. We're gonna bring up Illmatic, so maybe somehow we can discredit this new project. That's fucked up, man. See, but that's what I'm saying is is that like, well, no, that's not the guy that wrote Illmatic. First of all, the guy that wrote Illmatic, that album came out when he was 19. He wrote that album between the ages of probably 15 to 18, Mike. That kid don't exist anymore. But Mike, on Magic, I keep trying to say, 
Oh, the MC who made Take It In Blood, Nas is like, oh no, he exists on this album in 2021. I don't care about Illmatic. Who's done That's that, a feat though? Within itself. That's a feat within itself. The guy that made Take It In Blood and Nas is like, sounds like it 20 more plus years later. Give me that. I'll tell you what, man. I don't, I don't care about song structure. If I can hear the ghost face intensity that I hear on Supreme Clientele 1, on Supreme Clientele 2, I don't care what the beats sound like. You know what I'm saying? Like, oh, like the, beats are bad. the beats on here are dope. I know, and I like, know, but I'm just saying that's people. where they always try to go because that's the narrative. Like, and you know, right. and that's furthering that narrative too, talking about song structure when you know that the narrative out there is Nas is the worst beat picker, blah, 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 which is clearly untrue as well. I don't think people understand that this project probably got put together because they're in a zone and they just started doing takes and was like, oh, no, we need to be keeping this. This shit crazy. These are extras. This is like extras. uh, This is like I'm putting out lost tapes as they're being made. Yes, this is current lost tapes. This is like, no, 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 you're not going to lose these. You're not going to lose ugly the way you lost do rags. You get what I'm saying? You're not going to lose the truth the way you lost no ideas original where he's spazzing. Like Jevin uh, June says, I'm convinced that according to hip hop is the only media that matters. These people are all bought and paid for. Hey, man. I'm not going to say it like that because that's just disrespectful. But all I'm saying is is that we're just (laughs) doing our job. We're listening to the albums multiple times. We're giving out appropriate reviews where they are deserved. It's like, you know, no, no, no. I don't think it's disrespectful to say people are bought and paid for. They are. Well, no, no, no. I meant the part about like how we're the only ones that matter. No, no, no. These motherfuckers bought and paid for. Yeah, they're pay- they're bought and paid for. And so, you know, again, I don't get a check from Jay Z. And you know, as not saying I, I wouldn't take a check from Jay Z if it Mike, made sense. Mike, but I'm just being honest, <laughs> Mike, man. Mike, you can go ahead and put that on the list of things that's never happening for me <laughs> or for you. I didn't. I definitely is the Rock Nation brunch happening. Like, isn't about the time. No, would, no listen, you're not getting look, no invite. All jokes I've been aside, practicing my pose. I got a new watch. Nope. All jokes aside, I would love to attend the Rock Nation brunch. That's not going to change my whole viewpoint on hip hop. You know what I mean? I still hold Jay high, but I'm not going to sit here and hold him high to a level like no one is even near him because that's not factual. Because we we've lined up the catalogs. And, you know, and I think that also, I think Versus is a great platform that if that is the case, you can test that theory out. I mean, test it out. If if he's so above everybody, do the Versus. We all know who it should be against, and it's not Lil Wayne. I I personally don't think he would beat Kanye West, to be perfectly honest with you. Hey, Mike, you got to be careful about what you say. So, like, um, how Rosenberg and them was uh, bringing in the intro to Volume 3. Mm-hmm. You know what he said on the outro, right? Pull your CDs out. Let's go song for song. Mm-hmm. I'm the illest nigga doing it till you prove me wrong. Pull them, Pull them out. Pull them out. Pull them out. Listen, I again, I think the only way Nas would lose is if Nas would match up his... Uh, his big pimping with like you owe me, but he wouldn't do that. Mike, the only thing that he has to do as far as post Illmatic tracks, the only singles that are post Illmatic tracks that he needs to play 
or made you look and Nas is like, he don't even got to play any of his singles. If he plays made you look and Nas is like his singles, some stuff from Illmatic and his B-sides, that's it, Mike. You that's know, it. I'm really heavy on DOA, right? I like Death of Auto-Tune a whole lot. But oh, if, no, you, if I be honest, no, but I, chance, no, no, right? I'm being honest, though. I think if Thief's theme went up against Death of Auto-Tune, you know I think like, Thief's theme is better than that song. I forgot and I like Thief's DOA theme. Like, a lot. Do Thief's theme too. How about this? He could do Thief's theme, too. But even with that being said, Mike, I don't even think that's one of his 20 best records. That's I don't what think I mean. So I, I just remember when I first heard Thief's theme and saw the video and he had the mask and shit, I'm like, oh my God, what's going on? Like that feel that you get seeing the shadow boxing video or something like that, that's the feel you get when you get those hardcore Nas records. Yeah, no, it is, and, man. Do you remember? Uh, and it's incredible rhyming on top of that. Like, you remember that unreleased track he put uh, out where, where y'all at? Where them gang? Where he took the major looks on? Where were where y'all gangsters at? Where yeah, y'all dimes yeah, at? Where the, yeah, Mike, he got stuff like that. It's like it's epic and it's like never even going anywhere. I don't even really like that song like that, man. Miss Mo is bringing up, but well, no, not uh, Dak. I missed your comment, Miss Mo. But Tribero said "Silent Murder," and again, man, that's Mike's favorite Nas record. Yeah, "Silent Murder" is my favorite. That's and what I mean. He Mike, wouldn't even play that like? though. That's what no, Mike. That's what I'm saying. Nas can play "Take It in Blood," "Silent Murder." Like, he can play stuff like that and, and win because, like, really don't nobody got nothing like that lyrically outside of that prime Rock M stuff. And that prime Rock M stuff don't run as deep as that prime Nas stuff. So. I know you got to go in a minute. I want to talk yeah. about that cannabis situation real quick, man. I saw, <laughs> I don't even know if this is going to take us five minutes, but I saw uh, the Bootleg Kev interview with cannabis. And one thing that was interesting to me is uh, Bootleg Kev asked him about, um, LL shouting out cannabis at the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And um and cannabis basically said that he wishes that they could have WWF'd it and they could have had somebody pulled them to the side and made some money off of the battle or something to that degree. I found a whole lot wrong with that, and it was very disappointing that cannabis came from that standpoint, in my opinion. I know mm-hmm. you felt something different. I mean, should I go into mine real quick or? No, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah. This is the thing, man. First of all, you and LL Cool J were not on the same level to the point where LL is going to sit here and WWF anything with you in 1998. That's first of all. And the way Cannabis said it, it's like, yeah, he owed me that. That was first off. But second off, and, that, and maybe this should have been first off. I heard the phone conversation where LL Cool J did pull you to the side and said, don't put this out. Don't let these people gas you up. And you sat there and was like, yeah, man. Yeah, I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry this and that. And LL said, look, we'll come together. We'll do like a B-side record or whatever and put it on one of the mixtapes. And everybody's good. And we'll show that unity. And Cannabis said, cool, that's what's up. And then put out second round knockout anyway. Okay. So to sit there in this interview and act like you weren't pulled to the side and not even acknowledge the fact that, you know what, I just messed up. I got some bad advice. I think Mm -hmm. is very dishonest. Okay. So let's, uh, let let me speak about this so we can wrap this up Uh uh, right quick. So what I did like about what he was saying is because he was speaking about the lack of unity and the gossipy and just kind of uh, 
finicky behavior that takes place in this industry. So he was speaking to a lack of unity and cohesiveness in terms of getting money together and allocating funds and resources. And from that perspective, I do agree with him. I agree with all black people in all forms and walks of life that are trying to galvanize within their industries that way. But L-L here's what said I do. all that on that phone call too. Well, here's what I want to <laughs> submit to you. What? No, here's what I want to submit to you because I have a personal story. He's mm-hmm. conveniently forgetting about how he was and how he behaved in that time. I met him when I was in high school when he had his buzz. I had a friend. We worked at a record store together. I got him the job at the record store. We used to go to local ciphers in Charlotte together. He used to live in Rock Hill and take me down to Rock Hill for other ciphers. Cannabis was his favorite MC. Cannabis was a guest at our record store. We met a lot of people in there. My guy approached Cannabis It was probably the rudest I've ever seen an MC treat a fan. He almost had my guy in tears to the point, Mike, and I've always been who I am. I rolled up and said something to him and his security rolled up on me. My manager had to pull me to the back, but he was a whole motherfucker to the point that I was down to lose my job and box with him that day. He forget how he was behaving at the time, acting like he really was about to be the next Rakim, the next Nas. I seen it live. My general manager had to pull me into the back for 15 minutes because I was about to be on that ass at 16. You remember that uh, that round table or whatnot when it was him, Big Pun, Most Def, DMX? And I remember all. very well. I remember distinctively at the time. He was like, I'm going anchor. I earned that. That type of stuff. It was, yeah. I mean, I never met cannabis around that time or any of that. I did. But I could see that type of stuff. And even in this interview, with the fact that he was talking like him and LL were on the same level, I was like, yeah, this arrogance is still there. No, it was high, Mike. It it was, Mike, Mike, the record store used to be a warehouse. When he walked in, he's about 5'5", maybe like 140, but his arrogance filled up the whole warehouse immediately. But that was the first thing that I saw in that interview. I was like, yeah, the arrogance is still there. Still there. And, yeah. So he's conveniently leaving that part off. Yeah. And I, I hate to say it, and I always... I always felt like LL did him wrong. Now I don't feel that way. Nah. I don't feel that way. I think, especially after hearing that phone call, how humbled he was on the phone call with LL. And LL said everything that you said about, look, we need to show a sign of unity, yada, yada. And you said, cool, cool. Mm -hmm. And then put the record out anyway. Because you want to know what, Mike? In 98, he thought LL was done and he was going to be the next Rakim. He like, yeah, this old dude think he got me. I ain't doing nothing with him. I'm about to, I got next right now. He but done. this was all WWF. Right. To, I mean, WWE to him, man. And, and no, no, this no, no. interview that's, that's, showed that's, that's, that. Mike, Mike, that's his hindsight because of what happened to him and where his arrogance got him. That's the hindsight of it. That's yeah. like, a, like Mike, when you read Ecclesiastics, that's like Solomon as an old man. Like, don't do this. Don't do that. Well, he's saying don't do this and don't do that because he fucked it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I got a ghost. Yeah. All right, man. Well, we're going to talk Friday, man. We appreciate everybody coming in with us. Uh, we got like 200 people in here right now, man. But uh, let's talk to the Friday. Page. Yes. While everybody is in here, make sure you subscribe to According to Hip Hop on YouTube. Hit the bell icon so you'll know when we're going live. And yeah, man, me and Coop are going to holler at y'all on Friday. Already. All right. <laughs>